Chapter Eight of Narrative of an Expedition to the Shores of the Arctic Sea in eighteen forty six and eighteen forty seven by John Ray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Chapter Eight Occurrences at Fort Hope during the absence of the exploring party. Removed from winter quarters to tents. Sun seen at midnight. Build an oven and bake bread. Eskimo method of catching seals. A concert. Lateness of the summer. A native salmon weir. Salmon spear. Boulders on the surface of the ice. Visited by a native from the Ooglit Islands. His report of occurrences at Iglulik. Indolence of the natives. Ice breaking up. Halkett's airboat. A storm. The ice dispersed. Prepare for sea. During my absence from Fort Hope, little beyond the usual occurrences of the winter had taken place. The latter part of May was remarkable for the great quantity of snow that fell, with gales of wind and drift, which kept the men almost continually clearing away snow from the roofs of our houses. They were obliged even to go to work during the night, and notwithstanding all the care that was taken, two of the boat's yards were broken, and the masts very nearly shared a like fate, as the post placed under them gave way. For so great a quantity of snow lodging on our roof, the man left in charge was to blame, as shortly after my departure he had the snow thrown up in heaps, which, when the stormy weather and snowdrift came on, caused drift banks to be raised to an equal height, about four and a half feet on the tops of our dwellings during all this time the thermometer never fell lower than plus nine degrees which was on the sixteenth of may and rose as high as plus forty five degrees at midday on the twenty ninth the last day of may was very stormy but on the first of june the weather changed for the better although the thermometer was as low as plus twelve degrees on this day the first geese laughing geese and some sandpipers were seen, and one of each was shot. As the partridges were migrating northward, about thirty had been killed, and there was a good stock of venison in store, the hunters having shot twenty deer. The does were now very large with young, and had become very poor. The bucks were, however, improving in condition. The Eskimo had brought in little for trade, a few pairs of boots, which were soon bought up by the men, and a little oil from Makiulik being the principal articles some of them were getting short of provisions not having been able to find a cache which they went for they had all behaved well not having committed any thefts that could be discovered we had however one most incorrigible thief among our party ulikbuk's son who during the few days of his father's absence was twice caught with the old man's bale open eating sugar some tobacco was also taken and the trousers of most of the men were completely cleared of buttons by the same hands. On my return, only one family of Eskimo, Shimakuks, remained near us. Shimakuk had been waiting for his dogs, which were with the party who had gone in search of meat. On the thirteenth, divine service was read, and thanks returned to the Almighty for his protection throughout the winter and during the late journey. There was a strong breeze of north wind, with frequent showers of snow, house very damp, the clay falling from the inside of the walls. Fourteenth. 
the weather was fine and permitted us to get our flour pemmican etc removed from the meat store which was now dropping much from the roof to the rocks where it was well covered up with oilcloths the twentieth was a most stormy day with occasional showers wind northwest there was a considerable stream of water running on the ice of north pole river forming large pools on the sea ice through which it did not yet find a free exit twenty first there was a change in the weather for the better although it still blew a gale however as the day advanced the wind became more moderate and about noon shifted round to the south the water was rising fast in all the creeks showing that the process of destruction was fast going on among the snow and ice the latter was still nearly four feet thick on the lakes but very porous the great rise of water in the creeks and small streams rendered it very unpleasant and even dangerous to cross them in attempting to get near some geese this day i sunk to the waist amid snow and water and not being able to get any firm footing i found much difficulty in scrambling out without wetting my gun twenty-third this being a fine day all the men were employed dismantling the house and carrying down the provisions clothes etc to the summer tents which had been pitched about three hundred yards nearer the shore two leather tents were put up for cooking in we saw the sun at midnight his lower limb touching the high grounds to the northward we made some bread in an oven which we had built of stones cemented with clay of an excellent quality the upper part of our first batch was well baked but the floor of the oven was not sufficiently warm to bake the lower part it however rose well and we afterwards succeeded in making excellent bread though the oven was heated with heather footnote recipe seven pounds flour one ounce carbonate of soda three-quarter ounce citric acid three-quarter ounce common salt water cold about one-half gallon the salt soda and acid being finely powdered and dry are to be well mixed together this mixture being well wrought up with the dry flour the water is to be added in two or three parts and mingled with the flour as quickly as possible the dough being put into pans is immediately to be placed in the oven End footnote. 15th july weather still stormy and cold to the feelings the thermometer being plus thirty five degrees the water of north pole lake had broken through its barrier of snow and ice and was rushing down the river with great force carrying with it large masses of ice all the men except flett who remained at the tents and germain who had charge of the nets went to north pole lake on the nineteenth to bring down the boat the river being one continued rapid throughout its whole length with not an eddy to stop in they came down at a rather quick rate but were compelled to stop within a few hundred yards of the salt water on account of the shallowness and the number of stones twenty-two salmon were caught some in good condition others very soft and thin the former contained roe about an eighth of an inch in diameter a number of eskimo arrived for the purpose of catching salmon having finished their seal hunting which had been successful although the number killed could not be ascertained our old friends were accompanied by three strangers viz an old man and two young ones with their wives and families our travelling companion ivitchuk had shot some deer with his gun 
but having spent nearly all his ammunition he requested and obtained a small additional stock another eskimo a jolly old fellow with two wives joined the party here he had come from the direction of wager river this spring on the ice he and one or two more old men were nearly starved to death last winter being so much reduced that they could not walk twenty-three salmon were got from the nets some of these were in very poor condition being evidently out of season others were in fine order and full of roe twenty-second one of the old eskimo at the fishery speared a seal on the ice near the edge of the open water but it got away in consequence of the line breaking their mode of approaching the seal requires much patience and is very fatiguing as the hunter must lie flat on his face or on his side and advance towards the seal by a series of motions resembling those of the animal itself he has frequently to proceed in this way some hundred yards but so well does he act his part that he can get within a few feet of his object and a looker-on would find much difficulty in telling which was the man and which the seal the seal actually comes to meet the hunter who as soon as it has got some distance from its hole springs up and intercepts its return the women are very expert at this mode of hunting and frequently having no spear use a small club of wood with which they strike the seal on the nose the greater part of the eskimo were encamped about a quarter of a mile from us and had a concert every night a union of the vocal and the instrumental their only musical instrument is a sort of drum or tambourine consisting of a stout wooden hoop about thirty inches in diameter round which when it is to be used a wet parchment deerskin is stretched in beating this rough instrument the hoop not the skin is struck the performer being in the centre of the tent keeps turning slowly round whilst four or five women add their voices to the execrable sound producing among them most horrible discord each of the men in his turn takes up the drum and thumps away till he is tired when he lays it down and another takes his place and so on it goes until it has passed through the hands of all the males of the party including the boys the whole of the natives with the exception of a few old people who were remaining at the fishing station and three young men and their wives went the following day to an island four miles off for the purpose of killing more seals and also to put new covers on their canoe frames. 25th. This was the anniversary of our arrival here last year, and certainly everything wore a very different aspect from what it then did. Last summer at this date there was no ice to be seen in Repulse Bay. The snow had nearly all disappeared, and the various streams had shrunk to their lowest level. Now there was not a pool of water in the bay, except where the entrance of a river or creek had worn away or broken up the ice for a short distance. There was much snow on the ground in many places, and most of the streams were still deep and rapid. The mosquitoes were rather troublesome, but this I was not sorry for, as the Eskimos said that the ice in the bay would soon break up after these tormentors made their appearance. As our native friends were now getting sufficient fish to maintain them, they required no further assistance from us at present. Their mode of catching salmon is a very simple one. They build a barrier of stones, about one and a half or two feet high across a creek, some distance below high water mark. The salmon, which keep close to the shore at this season, are by this means, during the ebb of the tide, cut off from the sea, 
and are easily speared. About sixty were thus killed this day. The spear used is usually made of two diverging prongs of muskox horn, from four to five inches apart at the extremities. Between these there is a prong of bone about three or four inches shorter than the outer ones. Each of the longer prongs is furnished with a barb on its inner side, made of a bent nail or a piece of bone, which prevents the fish from escaping. The handle is six or eight feet long. The head of the instrument much resembles a three-pronged fork, with the middle prong a little shorter than the others. The moon was full this day. High water at forty-five minutes past noon. Arkshuk, Shimakuk, and Keiiktu visited us on the twenty-eighth, bringing a few pairs of boots for sale. The tins which contained preserved meat and table knives and forks were in great demand among these good folks. One of the ladies to whom I gave a fork used it as neatly in eating fish as if she had been accustomed to it from childhood. Thermometer as high as plus sixty degrees in the shade. The ice in the bay had broken up for more than a mile from the shore opposite the mouth of the river, but some distance out it looked as white and firm as ever. I had for some time observed that large stones, some of them from one to two tons weight, were making their appearance on the ice, and I was much puzzled to make out how they came there. They could not have fallen from the shore, as the beach was sloping at the place, nor had they been carried in by drift ice of the previous season. The only way that I could account for it was this. At the commencement of the winter, the ice layer, acquiring considerable thickness, had become frozen to the stones lying on the bottom, and raised them up when the tide came in. The stones would gradually get enclosed in the ice as it grew thicker by repeated freezings, whilst by the process of evaporation, which goes on very rapidly in the spring, the upper surface was continually wasting away, so that in June and July there was little of the first formed ice remaining, and thus the stones, which at first were on the under surface of the ice, appeared on the top. This may, perhaps, in some measure account for boulders, sand, shells, etc., being sometimes found where geologists fancy they ought not to be. Ice has been time out of mind the great conveyancer. August 1st. We were visited this day by an Eskimo named Iiktuang, whom I had not before seen. He had passed the winter near the Uglit Islands, a few days' journey from Iglulik. He said that when a boy, he was frequently on board the Fury and the Hecla in 1822-23, and that the Kablunans killed a number of walruses and some black whales with two small boats, that the walruses were put in cash for them, the Eskimo, who were rather short of provisions at the time, and that they received the skins of the whales. They had abundance of provisions last winter but were visited by a very fatal disease, from what I learnt of the symptoms resembling influenza, which carried off twenty-one grown-up persons. The children were not attacked with this complaint. Two of the party at Iglulik had been reduced to the necessity of putting to death and eating two children to save themselves from starvation. Four men, whilst hunting the seahorse with their canoes lashed together, were assaulted by this fierce animal struck down with his formidable tusks, their canoes capsized and broken, and the whole party drowned. Another poor fellow, having early in the winter harpooned a walrus through a hole in the ice, was dragged into the water before he could disengage himself from the line. 
the ice being still thin and transparent the body was found a few days after Ictuang also informed me as i had already supposed from various appearances that there is open water throughout the winter between this and the frozen strait through which a strong current runs with the flow and ebb of the tide so strong is it that when bears are pursued and take the water they are often swept under the ice and drowned in the afternoon two more eskimo with their wives from the same quarter accompanied by akiulik and his family made their appearance some of the natives who had taken up their quarters near us were supplied daily with fish they appeared quite as indolent as most of the other savage tribes of america and never thought of looking out for food so long as they could get enough to support life from us although they had a weir made for confining the salmon they would not take the trouble to spear them when in it we endeavored to get some young marmots but without success i find that these curious little animals leave their winter habitations which are usually formed in dry sandy banks as soon as the snow has in great measure disappeared and take up their summer residence among the rocks where i have no doubt they are much safer from their numerous enemies the weather was still fine on the sixth but it appeared to have little effect on the ice in the bay which still remained hard and fast all the largest and deepest lakes were covered with strong ice ninth on looking out this morning i was happy to see a lane of open water stretching completely across the bay but there was still a strong barrier between us and the south point although a passage to the northward might easily have been made the nets produced eighty salmon the greater part of which were given to the eskimo the fishery was now abandoned as we could procure close at hand as many salmon as we required during the whole of our spring fishing halkett's airboat was used for setting and examining the nets and was preferred by the fishermen to the large canvas canoe as it was much lighter and passed over and round the nets with more facility notwithstanding its continued use on a rocky shore it never required the slightest repair it is altogether a most useful little vessel and as i have said before ought to form part of the equipment of all surveying parties whether by land or sea the men from the fishery were followed soon after by the eskimo with their baggage which it took more than a dozen trips of our canoe to ferry over the large lakes were still covered with a thick coat of ice there were a great many seals in the open water and some of the fish in the nets had been eaten by them tenth a storm from the north with rain and snow until noon when the wind somewhat abated and the weather cleared up great havoc was made among the ice and in the evening there was a clear sea as far as the point of the bay eleventh there was a gale of wind all day with rain occasionally the weather cold and unpleasant we were all busily employed in preparing for sea all the snow banks for six or eight feet from the ground having been converted into solid ice soon after the spring thaw commenced we had to dig out the chain and anchor of one of the boats which were buried under ice of that thickness yet on the very spot where this chain and anchor lay there was not a particle of either ice or snow on the twenty fifth july last year such is the variable nature of this northern climate in the afternoon nibitabo was sent to endeavor to get some fresh venison for our voyage and shot two young deer st germain and minot set the nets for a supply of salmon 
and I was busy distributing among the Eskimo axes, files, knives, scissors, etc., etc., etc. The large lakes were still covered with ice, but in the bay there was little or none to be seen. End of chapter 8